0: With this podcast, I was hoping to investigate what made racing games interesting, and what skills did it take to play Wave Race 64, or in layman's terms, what made the game fun? The following is the results of these questions. Hello everyone, welcome to the comic Podcast, I'm your host Adrian. Greg, how have you been doing today? I've been doing okay. How about you, yourself?
1: Uh, well, I've been, I told you about the song that I stuck in my head, the Port blue song, so oh, I've been man. doing fantastic. And you, Zan?
2: Yeah, um, I'm good.
0: All right. So we've been playing Wave Race 64, and I kind of want to go over a simple topic. What makes it fun? What makes it challenging? So when you guys first started playing, how were the controls to you? Start with you, Greg.
3: It is hard to get used to the controls because I'm used to a vehicle with four wheels on the ground. And I suppose one of the things to Wave Race 64's credit is that you really get the feeling that you're at the mercy of the water. And part of mastering the game is just mastering how something controls when it's getting splashed around by waves and when traction just has an entirely different meaning in Wave Race 64.
0: Yeah. That is to say, traction does still exist because you can clearly see uh, that you can customize the grip and the character select. Yeah. What about you, yourself? What did you make of the controls?
1: At first blush, I thought that they were pretty straightforward. Getting used to the physics is kind of the first step of every race in game, but I also noticed that there were a couple extra buttons to the controls that it took some getting used to, but I like that they were separated out so that I could get a feel for the basic controls, and then as I got better at racing with those, then I started to mix in the more technical or more advanced controls,
0: like the B button used to soften jumps. Right. And how about you, Zan? When you first started playing, what did you make of the controls?
2: I'm not off to say...
0: Well, which character did you pick?
2: I went with Hayami.
0: Hayami. Did you find it hard trying to follow the dolphin? Or did you skip the practice and go right to the race?
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do the practice thing.
0: (laughs) You didn't practice.
2: I'm not able to talk a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you just went straight for the races? Yeah. So...
3: So wait, I like um, thinking about what yourself said. Something that interested me was uh, he mentioned getting to the B button, and I was wondering if anyone had gotten to implementing the leaning much yet.
0: I have just this morning, and it is effective for when you're going up the ramps, since it moves your center of gravity forward and you actually dive faster. You also have to do it for Ryu and M Jeter if you want to get under. That first jump in Twilight Park where you have to dive under the wall. You have to dive, you have to tilt forward.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, I don't think I really use the lean much, unless I guess you count holding back to make tighter turns. Uh, yeah. And there's only like two turns in the whole game that I use that on.
0: Which character did you use?
1: Uh, I used Hayami for a long time because I had a real hard time dealing with the weak handling of the heavier characters, but I turned up his top speed so that that would compensate. But just recently, I switched over to using Mariner Mm -hmm. and turning up his grip all the way, and that actually turns out to be working a lot better for me. He's really fast, and actually the slightly looser handling ends up making turns Somewhat easier sometimes because I don't need to be really gentle with the analog stick. I can like hold it all the way left and know that I'm not gonna overturn.
0: Okay.
3: Yeah, that's a problem I have where like if I'm not ginger with the joystick, then I'm just gonna dump the jet ski sideways.
0: (laughs) Yeah. MJeter is by far the hardest to control. Even tilting that thing like five degrees to the left, you'll start drifting. Yeah,
1: he's like the drifter guy. I tried him out a little bit, and... uh He's the vagabond. Yeah, he's the... Never mind, I'm not going to make a reference that no one's going to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to go through all of them, Stuart is really easy to control, but she's also so slow that it didn't seem like using her, and mm-hmm. Jeter ha- had, like, a totally different sense of handling than everyone else does, so he seems like he'd be kind of an advanced character.
0: Yeah, for people with really good thumb control. Did anyone find the using the R button to slide or whatever that is for <laughs> useful?
1: Now we were just talking about this a couple minutes ago, and I still have not gotten any use out of it.
0: I almost can't even distinguish it from just pushing the joystick back and then moving direction to do a sharp turn. Like I'm not sure what the difference it is.
1: I actually think they are different. I think the R button loses or tones back your traction. It's sort of more like the opposite of the B button. So you get more slidey, sort of like how you were just mentioning cheater controls. Mm -hmm. But I don't find any use for that when making turns.
3: That's the kind of thing that you want to do when, uh, like in Glacier Coast, when you roll onto that bit of land, you want to be able to reorient yourself so that when you finally hit water, you can get your momentum in the right direction, right?
1: But can't you freely... I mean, at that point, you're on land, and you can... No, you can't steer at all. Can you if you use R? I Uh, have not tried.
0: I know you can steer, you just can't control where you're moving. The throttle won't do anything. It's kind of like...
3: I I just mean that um, I can see scenarios where you would want to keep uh, your forward momentum, but change where your nose is pointed.
1: Yeah, but do you ever do that? Well,
3: I... Also, haven't beaten Expert.
1: The thing about that is, what you're saying though, is, as I mentioned in my little tips and tricks thing, if you're not accelerating, you already are free steering without changing your direction. Like, if you just let up on the gas and hold right and then hit the gas again, you'll go full
0: right.
3: Yeah, okay.
0: So, which track did you guys find the hardest? Start with you, Greg.
3: I always get Port Blue and the Marine Fortress mixed up, but I think what I mean is Port Blue. That's the one on expert mode where the big hallway closes and the tiny hallway is the only one you can go through. Right. So there's that, which is a big problem for me, because um, like there are uh, quite a few points in the game where I'll cheat the path by skipping one buoy, and I have enough momentum behind me that I can handle it. But that's such a tight space that you can't cheat that at all. And aside from that, in general, I just struggle with the waves in Wave Race 64. Like uh, leaving the surface every couple of seconds really throws me off and uh, you always have to calculate like, am I turning too much or am I turning enough that when I hit the water I'm going to be safe again? So that's a problem I have both on Port Blue and the Marine Fortress, they're super choppy levels. So between those two things, Port Blue is the worst.
0: What about you, yourself? What do you find to be the hardest track?
1: I mean, I also definitely think Port Blue is the hardest because of that S turn, which is kind of like the game saying to you, hey, look, what would happen if we took out all these other types of turns? This is what the entire game would be. And it's, it's a real pain in the ass. But... Yeah. To mention another course, Glacier Coast is a pretty tough one. That one has a lot of objects that you can collide with and also a lot of surfaces where you completely lose traction. So I don't have much problem with bouncing into the air like Golem was mentioning. I actually don't think that the chop is that big a deal because you can control for it with the B button. But... The ice in Glacier Coast is different. There's no real solution once you hit the ice except to ride it out. So because of the tight layout of the buoys, it ends up being really easy to slide your way outside of the course and miss your five buoys and retire. Yeah. It,
3: once you hit that patch of ice, it's an out-of-body experience where you can see Jeter
1: just uh, doing his own thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of high that
0: jet skiers pursue. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. What about you, Zan? What did you find to be the hardest track?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna agree agree with what Colin said. Port Blue. Yeah. On expert. I haven't tried expert.
0: Oh, but you know the path he's talking about.
2: Yeah.
0: Surprised no one mentioned uh, the poles you gotta get through in Drake Lake. You know, I I thought that was
3: really tricky at first, but actually once I sat down and watched a video of it being played like a million times, it started to make sense to me. I guess the solution I had was to lodge it into my brain the moment that I needed to be lined up with a certain pole. And once you get oriented properly, it's just a matter of staying
1: the course.
2: Yeah, I, I just skipped some of them. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's... Definitely what you can do in the easier difficulties, at least.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: I found there's a certain, kind of a certain sweet spot you can go for where you don't actually have to move that much at all for both hard and expert, where you only maybe need to make two turns. But uh I haven't quite gotten it to be consistent yet, where I can do it every time.
1: That's one of those things, that part of the game, where I can't quite line up the difference in my like strategic skill and my manual skill where I feel like I know how to do it and I have done it perfectly before and I'm always going for the same outcome like the same spot basically but I can't do it every time I can only do it like a quarter of the time and that makes me wonder like is my manual skill letting down? Like, have I just reached the ceiling of my manual skill? Or do I actually need to reevaluate my strategy? And is that an easier course that I'm missing? Yeah. You definitely gotta be open to, like,
3: on the fly evaluating. I'm five degrees off, so I need to fail past a buoy just so that I don't get knocked off my jet ski.
0: Yeah, those, just being off five degrees, that will change everything.
3: I guess you could say there's a layer of adaptation there where you want to miss a buoy instead of taking a collision.
0: Yeah, and unless you're um, just that precise with your execution and handling the joystick, lining yourself up, then, yeah, you're going to need to be able to make those adjustments.
1: I think Wave Race 64 is actually a game really heavy on adaptation, at least compared to your standard racing game. Absolutely. In that, Yeah, there are a lot of elements of non-determinism well, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's not technic, it's never technically non-determinism, but. It's, it's
0: uh, dynamic.
1: Yeah, a, a wave bumps you up in the air for a split second that doesn't normally happen or you're not used to happening, and you have to adjust your course every time or hit on the B button for a second. And then and you you have that
3: a- when I, when the friggin'
1: jet skier mows you over? Uh, <laughs> that's the. I would uh, say uh, that's the epitome of it, but to me, that's a really crappy example. Of, well, not, yeah. not crappy example, but poorly executed adaptation, because I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> like, what is yeah. my
3: response supposed to be? Throw the controller?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, sometimes I've found that you can block the other racers, but sometimes I just wish you could punch them. Like, in the... Oh. Well, road rash was on the pole.
1: God damn it! That's what I was gonna say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the racers themselves—they they are a form of execution, but uh maybe not not as easy to deal with, but also not quite to the same extent that um, the waves are, because um, that's like changing the ground on a dirt track driving a car.
1: Yeah, to be honest, I ended up liking time trials better than the circuits.
0: Oh, that's a
1: first. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it is for me, too. I normally totally ignore time crowds.
0: Have you tried the score mode?
1: Actually, no, I haven't done something, man. I did mean to do that before a podcast, but maybe if we do another one, I'll try something. All right.
0: all right, other questions. What, well, we kind of touched on this, but it was what specific spots gave you a hard time? I think we all mentioned them. Yeah, There are actually,
1: I mean, if you want to talk about it more, there are a couple more kind of tough spots.
0: Yeah, so... Tough spots that weren't already mentioned or that you didn't mention when asked earlier about what you thought was the hardest track. Greg, you go.
3: You know what's a subtle tough spot is uh, Southern Island has different, uh, like the wave will, the ocean like ebbs on the Uh, ladder laps. I'm sorry, the tide
1: goes
3: out? The tide goes out, thank you. (laughs) I was really struggling there. Um yeah, the tide goes out on the latter laps of Southern Island, and so the turns become tighter, but I never realize it because I'm just set in the path, and uh, I have a hard time recalculating my path on those later laps.
0: What about you, yourself?
1: I was actually going to mention Southern Island as well. I thought the... But to me, I do not think the turns are that bad. It's, in fact, that jump over the pirate ship at the beginning. <laughs> jump over the pirate ship? <laughs> what is that... Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, I told you, they had to reuse the model from Super Mario 64. <laughs> they spent all that time making that realistic pirate ship. They weren't going
0: to let it go to waste. Wow, they had to be really resourceful in 64 days.
1: Yeah, exactly. But doing that jump on, like, the third lap, it's just as the laps go on, they increasingly test your precision at hitting that ramp. And I
0: usually don't make it. I, the first time, actually, it wasn't until recently that I noticed that um, the water actually lowers on the ladder laps. So the, the ramp you can use to jump over the pier, which, by the way, much like Twilight Park, you also can't jump over. You have to dive under it if you're using Jeter or Hayami. On the ladder laps, that water is actually too low, and you can't even go on the ramp anymore. So you just go under the, the pier like, like normal.
1: Yeah, basically, on the first lap, you can jump it, and then on the second and
0: third lap, you can go under it.
1: Although, that's a really hard jump to make, or at least for me it was. Because of the waves preceding it, those really tall waves, Mm -hmm. I had a hard time getting up enough speed to actually get over the pier. All right,
0: Zan, what about you? Any tricky spots?
2: Yeah, um, well, the stuff all we mentioned in the hard stages... Yeah, like a really narrow place in the portal. Uh, no, no, wait, the portal.
3: That's the uh, alternate path that opens up on the second lap. Yeah.
0: Yeah. An expert, they put a box there.
2: What? Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. What, I what do you guys. Yeah, that's another thing. Marine Fortress, those boxes. It's one of the yeah. big forces where they have obstacles. And they move with the waves, so it's not like the poles in Drake Lake.
1: And not only that, some of the there's wood under the water too, so there's at least one obstacle that you have to learn is there. I mean, you can see it once you hit it, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
3: In general, I, I the debris gives me a little trouble, but um, the side passage that opens up, I feel is generally is wide enough. And there's so few obstacles that that's like a that's an easy part of the course for me.
1: One of the things that I find actually helps with that part is having pretty big waves because a wave gives you a chance again another chance to get away from traction and realign your course. So on that S turn, you kind of pop into the air at the tip of the turn or at the vertex of the turn, and then readjust, and then on the next one. At the next curve, you pop into the air again, so it's really not that hard to get the right course. So those waves spawn in such a way that you
3: get consistent timing on uh, popping on those vertici- vertices? They're
1: not totally perfect. Again, you just need to adapt to it based on what your timing is coming in, but there's usually one I hit that helps me realign it somewhere at the midpoint of that turn.
0: Can anyone here jump that first reef in a uh, marine fortress? I
3: used to try it, but now I don't like to rely on that. And I find that, um, the risk of it is not worth the gain in time. And usually I'm fine without it.
1: I'm not even positive it is a gain in time. I started going around it because being in the air is generally
0: just bad. It slows you down. Mm. I can consistently get it on the first lap. But after that, I usually can't get any more because the timing is off. All right. What things are there that you guys think you need to improve in? Making turns, maneuvering between buoys, softening bounces over ways, or just dealing with other racers when they want to give you a hug? <laughs> Dan, you first.
2: Yeah, um, everything. Everything.
0: Yes. What's something well, you're good at?
2: I'm not sure...
0: Well, you beat normal mode, didn't you?
2: Yeah, but normal mode is easy. Mm. Well, I what guess you're... making the turns when I get used to the stage. all. which
0: what kind of turns?
2: I like the turns between the boys. Please. Okay. Yeah. But
0: about you, yourself?
1: Yeah, I, I would really like to learn how to make use of that slide button. I have a feeling it's Not totally pointless. I at least hope it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I don't make the tight turns like
0: the port blue one
1: well, so Mm -hmm. I think there's got to be some way to use that.
0: Yeah, maybe something a little bit more nuanced in the game. What about you, Greg?
3: I feel like uh, in general with games, I can grasp level design a lot easier than I can grasp mechanics and controls and stuff like that. So. I feel like I'm pretty consistently improving at, uh, you know, that third stretch on Drake Lake is gonna have that really tight buoy sequence, so I gotta remember to make my turns early. But then I still have trouble grasping stuff like, um, accelerating properly so as to, like, accelerating properly so as to make tight turns, like on Port Blue. And I have trouble compensating for waves. So the course nuances I'm digging into, and I would like more progress on uh, just the handling.
0: You know, speaking of um, using accelerating, I find that uh, trying to let go of the throttle in order to make some certain turns, because there are certain kind of turns where you actually have to slow down and then speed up again while you're steering. But because of the difference in controls with wave race where you can't turn unless you're accelerating, they don't quite work as well.
3: Right. If you can get a feel for decelerating a decent portion before your turn so that you have the room to accelerate into your turn, then you're in a good place. But mastering that is pretty difficult. You need a lot more preparation than you do to, like, drift in a normal racing game.
0: Yeah. I had some frustrating moments getting stuck on the walls <laughs> and Port Blue, or when I had to learn the hard way that you can't jump over the wall in Twilight Park with... Ryu or Jeter. I feel like we're all pretty good at understanding Wave Race. So, Xan, why do you think racing games are fun?
2: No. (laughs) (laughs) No! That's not what I wanted
0: you to say! No, I'm kidding. So why don't you think they're fun?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, because uh, racing doesn't influence me, the only racing games that I like, um, so you can throw things at people. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mario
1: You can always throw things at people in real life while you play Wave Race. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You don't always throw hammers while you're driving on the road.
2: <laughs> Just make
0: sure the cops don't see you.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, so that didn't go well. Yourself, help me out here. Can you clearly sum up what makes Wave Race 64 interesting or unique from other racing games?
1: Wait, was that the question, or was it why do you like racing games?
2: It was
0: going to be why do you think racing games are fun, but that doesn't work out. So I'm just going to ask a more uh, neutral question.
1: Okay, because I do think racing games are fun.
0: Uh, Oh, why is
1: that? Because they're like platformers except they're harder, and that's what I like. <laughs> they're- Oh, harder. Are,
0: harder how?
1: Well, they're harder in that they challenge you to really master the- they're, Actually they're not technically harder because you're still being challenged to master the mechanics and the level design, but generally racing games have more nuanced mechanics that uh, are pretty technical and that require you to learn how to make use of not only the physics but also the specific properties of your chosen racer. And mm-hmm. I like having that sort of feedback loop of adjusting, like, Trying to maximize my performance with one character, then making a slight adjustment, like turning up the grip or the handling of a character, and then seeing how that affects my performance. That kind of interplay really helps me unwind what makes controlling a game interesting.
0: At first I was kind of... Not sure why you made the comparison to Platformer, but I think you were onto something once you brought up, you know, the physics.
1: My theory has always been that racing games and platformers are indistinguishable, because they're ultimately games about navigation from one point to another, and when you start looking at something like Sonic Generations, compared to Wave Race 64, it's a game that has jumps in it, it's a game that has an accelerator, it's the game that, uh, I mean, I'm not sure there's any real distinction between the genres except that racing games have different conventions than platformers.
0: Okay. I guess I would say that um, the main distinction with the platformers and racing is racing, you see a lot more involving steering, acceleration, while platformers definitely have more emphasis on the jumps and gravity.
1: Yeah, and again, I would say that's a conventional difference versus an actual mechanical difference. Because actually, well, to just go off on this tangent a little farther, the game that made me think about that for the first time was SSX, which has more emphasis on jumps than on steering, because the snowboarders don't have very complex traction mechanics or anything like that, That and their bottomless pits.
3: Is that just a snowboard thing? Because uh, the only snowboard game I've ever gotten into was Snowboard Kids. And a big (laughs) part of that was learning what kind of tricks you could pull off with what kind of jumps and mastering gravity in that sense.
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like dirt bike games tend to be like that too, right? Like Excite Bike? Excite Bike did have jumps. I was thinking of Excite Bike 64, I guess I should say. I still don't play that. I I I kind of that game I really wish there was a way to play that easily other than emulator
0: yeah let's finish things off with you Greg
1: boy uh,
3: see I'm with I'm with Sanrio that like I don't personally enjoy racing games because I like having interplay between elements on screen so like more,
1: more direct feedback yeah
3: but I think the joy of a racing game comes from mastery of terrain like what yourself was saying where you can find that racing line it's a matter of analysis to a certain extent and certainly that's like an interesting application of your brain but that's not something i personally appreciate
0: okay i guess to ask the more neutral questions or the neutral question what makes you know racing games interesting
1: Now, you mean what makes Wave Race 64 interesting, don't you?
0: Yes. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot that one. What makes Wave Race 64 interesting and unique from other racing games?
3: Wave Race 64 does a lot to stray from the sort of static feel that you might get from another racing game, where you interact with the waves a whole lot, you pass pretty close by buoys, so even if you don't, like, literally have weapons to throw, there's a lot more happening on the course. And um, I think earlier in this session we spoke to a sense of dynamism that Wave Race 64 has.
1: That's correct. Yeah, I think that that works. I actually quite like Wave Race 64, and if there was a bit more to the game, I think I could really dig into it, which is why I was thinking about checking out Blue Storm, because I think that the adaptation is still under the player's control, at least when you're not dealing with the opposing racers. Whereas in Mario Kart, I just get fed up and don't care. Like, I don't really enjoy throwing shells or being hit by shells. It's not fun, and it's not fun to randomly adapt like that. I mean, it's a good design, and I understand it. But in Wave Race 64, it just hits that right level right before arbitrary of uh,
3: dynamism. So can I ask... Are there other combat racing games where the weapon systems are a little more set in stone that you appreciate?
1: I can appreciate F-Zero as combat.
0: Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true.
1: I mean, it's kind of like if Wave Races had been done right. I mean, full disclosure here, F-Zero X is probably my favorite racing game.
0: Uh, oh, that is a good one.
1: Yeah, you get more direct control, more reactive control, and it, everything doesn't just come back to slowing you down or as immediately to slowing you down in F-Zero compared to Wave Race. Being knocked off your jet ski isn't a fun interaction.
0: It can definitely be frustrating. Watching him sit there and you're like mashing that A button going, get up, get up, get up. Yeah. You know... At first, I was kind of thinking that um, maybe what made Wave Race 64 so interesting was the fact that the control was analog. But then I remembered, you know, games like F-Zero and Mario Kart and the Super Nintendo where they're weight racing games, but they're controlled with the D-pad. So what I figured that it wasn't quite that it, they were analog, you know, that made them interesting. And I think that's why I kind of um, keyed in on that word where you mentioned physics earlier yourself about, you know, controlling them. And then you made that comparison with platformers. And then I thought about momentum in Mario and how if you took that out of Mario, the platforming challenges would be so much simpler. But momentum is what makes engaging with the dynamic of gravity interesting in those games. And it's also why even if in Mario Kart F-Zero you have digital controls, that complexity with momentum and steering and grip and acceleration is what makes it interesting Like, you have to make a turn before you actually come up to the turn, because it's not one-to-one.
1: The thing about distinguishing analog steering, or that makes distinguishing analog steering kind of difficult on any meaningful level, is that acceleration is pretty analog, uh,
0: no matter what level of racing game
1: you're playing. So, you you still have that
0: element. You don't just move at a constant speed. It's not like in a Mega Man, where you hold forward, he's going to move at however many pixels per second, he does all the time. There's no analog behind that. Yeah. Even the see, dash.
1: Super Mario World's the one that takes away analog running, doesn't it?
3: No, it's just, it seems like it takes it away, but um, it's, like, tweaked so that it is less fluid, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, it's just a very steep curve.
0: Yes. All right. I feel like we've hit on most of the important points for this topic. I guess a more on a more conversationy note. Damn, what did you think of the the graphics or you know how Wave Race is as a sort of technical achievement for its time? Incredible, unbelievable. Now you're making fun of me.
3: I I think we would all agree that this is a, still an impressive game.
1: Yeah. Sure. I think in general, for whatever reason, I just tend to like cleaned up N64 graphics. Once you clean them up, they look so much nicer than looking at, like, a horrifying, jaggy PS1 game. Oh, God, yeah. There's something <laughs> nice about how simple
3: and blocky everything is.
1: Yeah, they sort of capture, like, an impressionistic uh, style of visuals that, yeah, like, pre-rendered backgrounds don't.
0: Yeah, I never liked those. Like, those always stood out in Zelda. Those pre-rendered backgrounds, like, ugh. <laughs> not too big a fan of those. Oh, but, oh my god. Ryu Hayami's face and the the tone of his skin on his arms, they don't match. It's horrifying. Oh, really? Yeah. He's got a Farmer's
1: Tan. That's not a Farmer's Tan.
0: But whatever, his arms look friggin' weird.
1: Farmer's Tan, you have to, your face gets tan
3: too. Well, not if you're wearing a helmet.
0: Well, his face is lighter than the skin on his arms.
3: Well, why would a farmer be wearing a helmet? <laughs> well, he's a jet skier, not a far- He's got a jet skier's tan. Fine, let's this,
1: go with that. Jet <laughs> skiers should wear a wetsuit to be safe. He's got an unsafe jet skier's tan, okay? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Also, um, I guess you can say the the solid colors that you typically find in N64 games. It's kind of appealing compared to some current-gen games.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't know. I always I, thought
3: I, uh, people looked really fleshy and squishy in uh, Smash Brothers Melee, and I preferred the more like simple action-figure-y look from 64
0: To be honest, uh, I actually like the way they look in Melee, because at least they all have like a sort of uniform way of being colored. It's Brawl, where they started making them look different styles with their respective games. Except for Mario. For whatever reason, they made Mario look realistic, and that was freaking weird. So, denim. Oh, my God. And then (laughs) Bowser, he's all scaly and shit, and it's like, what the hell is that thing? (laughs) But then they did it right with uh, Smash 4. But still, just seeing something like Kirby and then Twilight Princess, like, it looks friggin' weird, whereas you see Lincoln, Kirby and Melee, they look like they fit together.
1: Alright, well, I just looked it up, and it turns out jet skiers do wear short sleeves a lot of times. Or totally sleeveless. Those but, are, like, the mo- more raw, like, real tough guys do that.
0: Oh, I don't have a closing question. Uh, Greg, help me out here. what I, what I do for a closing question?
1: Any final words?
3: <laughs>
0: Any final words?
1: Oh, that's not a closing question. That's a... Uh,
0: That's a
3: question. That's a a final words question. Wow. (laughs) I thought the closing question was, what do you think of Wave Race 64, technologically speaking?
0: Yeah, that's what it was. So, Zan, any final words? Nothing. Oh. Sorry. Self, any final words? Yeah. That's one word. You have one more to go. (laughs) Buddy. All right, there we go. Greg, any final words? Uh, what was this just paste in Skype? It was a
1: picture of Waybray64 in real life. So here, wow. here, here are my
3: final words. By the skin of his chinny chin chin.
0: <laughs> Hang on, do those boys look like they could knock a person off?
1: Yeah, I think you could die <laughs> if you that.
0: Oh, really? Um, that's solid know. steel. Shit. Nintendo's not being very realistic. Oh, uh, thank you for joining me.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: why not?
3: This podcast was hosted by Adrian Santiago. You're welcome, Greg. And produced by Greg Golem Livingston.
0: No, I should be thanking you for letting me host.
3: All music in this podcast is from waveray sixty-four. I'll leave you with these final thoughts.
0: In conclusion. While I was sort of gaining a solid understanding of racing games before this podcast had started, I was able to hit a realization about racing games and platformers regarding physics and analog versus digital controls. It's not the controls that necessarily make these games. It's the dynamics of acceleration and steering that makes moving through the courses such a challenge. This doesn't actually require analog controls. Same with Mario. You wouldn't stress the same skills of fine-tuning a jump you can overshoot or undershoot if you didn't have this dynamic. With this podcast, I was able to learn a little bit more about Wave Race 64.
3: If you have any comments or questions, please email vgcommune at gmail.com.
0: I should probably stop recording.